I'm Matthew Woods, host of Leading Out of the Woods, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here, and today I'm talking to Kristen Martinez. She is the Clinical Director for Presence Learning. Our focus today is talking all about teletherapy. So much to learn. Thanks for listening. Oh, by the way, it'd be so cool. And could you do this for me? Could you go to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash reviews, and leave a review for the podcast? That would be so awesome. I appreciate it. Enjoy the show. Boone Titanium Rings, found on the web at boonrings.com, is an affiliate partner of Teaching Learning Leading K-12. And I'm also a customer. I have this really cool ring that's got these carved pistons and, and stars in it. I love it. They make rings of titanium that are carved, laser cut, and engraved, as well as they have inlays of many types of materials like meteorite, acrylic, wood, carbon fiber, and so many other types. They also have special collections that are incredible designs. One of the top sellers are the Gamer Rings, the Stealth Series, and the Black Zirconium. As a note, they also make earrings, pendants, cufflinks, and for you musicians, they make cool trumpet mouthpieces. Love it. Go to boonrings.com and at checkout, use my code, capital T, capital L, capital L, capital K, number 12, and you'll get 10% off your purchase. So go check them out. I love my ring, and I know that you will love yours. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Kristen Martinez received her MA in Speech, Language, and Hearing Sciences from the University of Colorado at Boulder and has been a speech-language pathologist for over 20 years. Kristen provided speech-language services to children in her local school district and in private practice before starting as a teletherapist with Presence Learning in 2013. Kristen has supported teletherapy services for hundreds of school districts and has presented on the topic of teletherapy nationwide and currently serves as a clinical director for Presence Learning. Presence Learning was founded in 2009 based upon the belief that remote working structures can allow more clinicians to remain in the workforce, serving students and schools that need them. In building the teletherapy platform, Presence Learning focused on the idea that technology cannot replace the human connections that educators make with the students, but it can ensure that those important connections can happen continuously, soundly, and in a range of settings. Kristen, thanks for joining me today, and uh, say hi to everybody. Hi, everyone. Uh, So happy to be here, and thank you, Steve, for inviting me to be on your podcast. Well, glad to have you here, and uh, let's start with this. You've worked as a speech-language pathologist for over 20 years. What do you like most about doing your work? There's so much that I love about my work, but I would say probably what what comes to top of mind is just the variety in our profession. Um, There is it's it's a pretty broad scope. Um, We are trained as generalists in graduate school. And that means working from all the way from neonatal through the end of life in terms of age range, and also across all areas of communication, feeding, swallowing, um, aphasia, brain injury. So there's, there's so many areas for opportunities for specialization. And opportunities to really find 
what you're passionate about and what you love. And there is no shortage of challenges in our profession. So we, we're, we're kept on our toes continually because there's always something new, um, whether it's a new setting to work in, a new client's base, uh, so, you know, a new disorder that you're addressing that you haven't worked with before. So it's very interesting. That's very cool. I can imagine. And uh, especially the, you know, each uh, student and child and whoever you're working with is, uh, would come new challenges or something new that you may not have known before. So. Absolutely. Awesome. I, I, can you talk a little bit about what it was like shifting from providing speech language services in your local district and private practice to working as a teletherapist with presence learning? Sure. So to start, it was unexpected. Um, I, was I was happy working in my local school district. Um, I was fortunate to be in a great district. Uh, I happened to take a leave of absence for a year, uh, just related to some um, family circumstances, with full intentions of returning and really finishing, spending my career um, in my district working with kids. Um, and then also, again, having some private practice intermittent, intermittently and on the side. But during that year, I got a call from Presence Learning and they were looking for therapists with Colorado um, licenses, which I live in Colorado. And I had never heard of Presence Learning. I had never heard of teletherapy. I really had. This was, this was 2013. Um, I knew zero people doing teletherapy. But it was an opportunity to continue working a little bit um, while I was on my leave and try something new. So again, our profession is full of surprises and new opportunities. So I said yes and started out very small with about 10 hours a week, which was perfect for that time in my life where I needed a little more time to dedicate to family, but I loved it. Um, I spent about the first three or four weeks, I was really hooked and completely shocked that it was something I was actually considering transitioning to full-time and permanently, but I did. I made that decision that it allowed, first of all, it was effective. I was seeing progress in my students. I was connecting with my students, which was one of my first concerns that I wouldn't actually have those connections that I'd always enjoyed with students and families, um, but that was still happening. And I was doing my job, but I was doing my job without so much of the extra that comes with you know, you know, working in the school districts, there's, it's all hands on deck when you are in a district because there's so often just need for people to play, carry multiple hats. And I wanted to be a part of that team. And I said, yes, uh, pretty much to everything that came my way when I was in my school district. But I, what I really didn't realize until I stepped away and started teletherapy was that some of those things like being part of this committee or that committee or, you know, being in four different buildings and the itinerant was actually pulling me away from my primary focus as a speech language pathologist. And so that was really renewed when I started teletherapy um, because I, I can't do best duty remotely. So I can't, I can't be asked to jump into all those things. So I really, I felt like I had time again. It kind of felt like being back in graduate school and being doing my clinicals and you know, actually having time to go read a research article about a student who had a condition, a really rare condition. And so that was exciting. And it also then, of course, I was able to work from home, which was wonderful at the time. Uh, my three daughters were younger and 
Um, it let me at least be here when they got home from school, even if I was still seeing students um, remotely. And it just gave me more flexibility. So it turned out to be a really good thing for me. And um, so the transition was pretty easy. It was, it was, it was hard to leave, of course, my district and my colleagues. And I mean, that is what I loved and my students and all of that. So anytime somebody transitions to a new job, that's always the hard part is hopefully there was a lot you loved about your previous job and that's hard to leave. And it was, but it was working with presence learning, becoming a teletherapist uh, was a really good fit for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. And oh, you're so right. There's so many different transitions that if you never make them, you don't understand. But Mm -hmm. if you make them like a like teacher to administrator, um, and then eventually, you know, moving into a different type of position from administrator mm-hmm. or something like that, where you're no longer working with the kids. So as you get further and further away from them or whatever, that can be one of those things that you're like, this is a weird world. What do I do? <laughs> yeah. um, but I thought it was hilarious what you talked about with uh, they, they can't uh, do bus. They can't assign you that bus duty there. Right. What? Right. <laughs> Someone hasn't figured out how to do that yet. They put you yeah. out there on a, on a screen. Not quite yet. Not yet. Well, that's good. That's good. So yeah. that was funny. <laughs> um, so let's talk about what teletherapy is and isn't. Okay. So teletherapy in its most general basic definition is um, a remote delivery of some kind of service. So there, that can be on the medical front. We certainly see a lot of teletherapy now happening with doctors, with counselors in the medical setting. Um, and when I, when I talk about teletherapy, I am just, I'm talking about synchronous. So live online, there, there are portions of teletherapy such as it's called asynchronous. And that would be actually, you know, I'm mailing materials to my students. I'm sending them a recording of a sample of something I want them to repeat. And I send that to them. Um, What we provide, what we're really talking about with teletherapy is that synchronous. So live video, audio streaming. um, And for us as um, a company, Presence Learning, we provide teletherapy services in the K-12 setting. So actually earlier intervention. So even younger than kindergarten, earlier intervention through 12th grade transition age um, in both brick and mortar settings and also in virtual settings, uh, or virtu- I, was, I should say virtual students. So students attending virtual academies. So they may be in their house um, and all their learning is online. And we also support those. And we teletherapy in in our case we are providing speech language the full scope of speech language services in the school setting occupational therapy school psychology counseling and um, social work so again what that means is we are stepping into that role of an in-person provider an in-person specialist related service provider for schools what teletherapy is not and i really try to emphasize this for people who are new to it is a new kind of therapy. We are not creating a new way, a new kind of speech therapy, a new kind of occupational therapy. It is a transition of skills from an in-person environment to an online environment. So when we have therapists come on board with us, they're all fully licensed, credentialed, experienced. They know how to do their job as an SLP, as an OT, Uh, but we support that transition of how to now translate those skills remotely uh, when you're not in the same physical space as your student. Uh, But it's not, you know, it is, it's a, it's a different service modality 
um, of doing the same, the same services, the same quality of care uh, that has been provided in person. Awesome. I appreciate it. You know, one of the things that I, I've got to ask because it's got to happen. So cause mm-hmm. I appreciate you, you explaining what it is and what it isn't. And so that brings me to that, you know, there's always got to be that one person who says teletherapy how can you treat somebody if you're not physically in the room with them? So. <laughs> Absolutely. There's more than one. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, I would say especially when I first, because I, I transitioned from providing direct therapy services um, to coming on the clinical management side in 2015. So since 2015, I've had a lot of opportunities to present, travel in person to school districts, talk with our, the school districts we're working with. Um, And so especially back, you know, in those 2015, 2016, 2017, um, there were a lot of questions, a lot of, a lot of skepticism. Um, So I did spend a lot of time explaining and talking with people about what that does look like and including therapists. Sometimes our, our colleagues are some of our toughest, toughest critics Um, And deservedly so, because they, you know, we as professionals want to protect the integrity of the work that we're doing. And so there have been a lot of questions, great questions from from fellow related service providers. So, you know, what I what I let them know first is that there is a right there is a right way to do it, a way to do it with fidelity in a way that's not done with fidelity, that they it, it. will not be effective. And unfortunately, that not as effective side or the piece, the type of teletherapy um, that is not the ideal is a lot of what happened during the pandemic um, because everybody was just thrown into it um, truly overnight. They were suddenly said, okay, next week, you are now going to be doing everything you did in person, online, go figure it out. And most of the clinicians I talked to had very little... support training, Um, you know, districts were doing the best they could. They may have been using a business platform to provide therapy services that was just not created for the purpose of therapy. And it was really, really challenging on top of all of the things happening in the home settings with kids and families. So it was a very tough time, but it's, it's very different when it has, it is done with a platform that was created for therapy. So having the tools, having the supports, having the tech support, and just understanding the nature of how how it is implemented effectively, which includes having the appropriate support on site. So that's a piece that's often missed. Um, Regardless of, especially when you're talking about working with kids, it is not appropriate to bring a child to a computer with their therapist on the other side and leave them alone in a room and say, you know, first of all, just from a a safety protocol that shouldn't be happening with any kind of online services, there should be at least line of sight supervision. But then there's also, there's a spectrum of support that needs to be provided. And kids who have higher levels of need are going to need a higher level of in-person support. So it may be somebody who is just in the room and can come over once in a while to check on things, make sure everything is going okay, all the way to having that child's one-on-one paraprofessional sitting with them through the entire session. We provide services uh, to 
again, the full range of students, um, all age levels, all disability categories, all severity levels. And so if I'm working with a child who is nonverbal, is using an AAC device, is not physically able to engage with a computer mouse, it's certainly not appropriate for them to be sitting by themselves during a therapy session. There will need to be a support person sitting with them, working with the SLP throughout that session. So there's that's kind of a, a pretty high level. Those are the, the basics, having the appropriate technology, the appropriate you know, internet access, making sure that you're actually streaming um, continually. You know, our platform was redesigned several years ago because we do have our own proprietary platform. Um, we start presence learning started in 2009. Um, there were, nobody was doing zoom. Nobody, <laughs> there was nothing else out there. So we created our own, um, which, you know, was something that we were able to offer then as a resource during the pandemic when everything shut down because we already had this tool. And so we were able to offer it as just that alone, the platform to school districts if they had their staff that needed a tool. Um, and we also provided training around that and how to, again, engage with students online. So it's, it's one of my favorite things um, in my, not my current position, I don't get to do it much anymore, but in one of my past roles with presence learning is working directly with schools and helping them to understand the best way to set up services, how to support kids who are using teletherapy services, and then being that link between our therapists and the schools and, and making sure that um, everything is going well. That's excellent. I, you know, it's, it's, uh, just interesting because, you know, like you said, a lot of things have happened even just since 2009 that have made it possible and forget the pandemic, but it made it possible mm -hmm. that, well, I guess I can't just say forget it, but it, you know, <laughs> it, it really made it so that people became more comfortable in the virtual world. And, right. uh, and, uh, and just on my own, in my own area, I mean, in doing podcasts before the uh, pandemic, um, I'd send out to, uh, People are in my age bracket and above a uh, link to uh, um, something like Zoom or Zoom mm -hmm. itself. And they would go, what do I do with this? Go, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all you do is you got to have a microphone and you click. Really? Right, yes. Right. That's all you got to do. After the pandemic, I don't get those questions as much anymore. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I, no, because it was everyone was connecting, um, you know, in some way with their friends and family and if they hadn't done so before. So. Yes, that's, that's true. And it is, you know, it's one of the challenges of that is yes, everybody in the therapy and the education world, therapy world was likely exposed to some version of teletherapy in the last two years. Now it wasn't necessarily a positive experience. So we're having, we're seeing a little bit of slip back where um, some people are really lumping in the challenges that came along with distance really what I think of as pandemic era learning. It wasn't even just online learning. It was pandemic era learning. There were so many things happening. It wasn't just about learning online. It was about what was happening with people's families and friends and it, you know losing that social interaction. So it was a very complex couple of years, obviously. Um, but we're, we are seeing in some cases teletherapy services that were established and successful long before being swept up into some of that. And so we're having to do some work to, you know, re-educate and help people who are interested understand that there really is a differentiation. 
That's excellent. I, and, and I could see, because, you know, you're so right. The, the, you know, some of the problems during the pandemic were that uh, they were forced into doing, and many of the people who were running some of those classes, yeah, um, we <laughs> just kind of move on from that. And others have gotten really good at it, and some not yeah. so much, but uh, some <laughs> cool stuff. So can you talk a little bit uh, uh, about this? I mean, one of the things I noticed in your uh, bio is that you – You've presented about teletherapy across the country, and uh, I, I got to ask you. So, there's got to be a question or or two that is just typically something you're asked. Do mm-hmm. you have one of those? Yeah. So, the majority of my presentations are to other clinicians, uh, most often SLPs. So, once in a while, it will be more to a broader educational group or to special education directors, something like that. And so, for for those groups, the special education directors, for instance, they are usually much more concerned about the actual implementation, the logistics, like how do I fit this into everything else I'm trying to manage in my school district? So those tend to be the questions that I address there. Um, with clinicians, they usually want to know a couple of things. First of all, is it effective? Does it work? Um, and sometimes really specific questions about how could you possibly provide, how could it be successful with, you know, this goal area or this type of student or students with high significant behavior needs. So sometimes we really get into some pretty, a lot of nitty gritty about how that's actually done um, and how I, I think what is surprising to a lot of therapists who make the transition to teletherapy is really how similar it is. Um, that you are, you're falling back on everything you've learned, everything you've known, providing in-person services. You're maybe tweaking some things. You are maybe having to bring in that facilitator, that person who's supporting the person on site and work with them a little bit. But again, we're not, we're not recreating the wheel here. We're not creating a new form of therapy. So I think once people get over some of the fear and some of the just logistics of understanding how it works, they really start to understand that, oh, I, I can do this. I do know how to do this um, because it's what I've been doing really my entire career. Um, it's just in a, a different service modality. So we, uh, those are the majority of types of questions is um, really kind of specifics from therapists about concern that they're still going to make progress with their students. That's excellent. I'm glad you differentiated between the the two different groups that you talked to because I could just imagine that you know how, how different one of those two groups and if you threw a third one in like uh, mm-hmm. families or something like this would be right. Oh, quiet. absolutely. They'd focus mm-hmm. on other things. So uh, yep. cool. I, I, so I got to ask this: what what sort of services does Presence Learning provide for teletherapy? Mm-hmm. What do they do? So we contract directly with our, our traditional primary uh, model was contracting directly with therapists themselves. So we have a network of almost 2000 SLPs, OTs, school psychologists, counselors, and licensed social workers in our network. And then we work directly with school districts. And so they may contract with us for one service area, multiple service areas, and we provide again, the full scope of work. So as SLP specifically, um, that means that 
when I was assigned to a school district, I would work directly. I would have a caseload and I would carry that caseload throughout the school year. And I would provide all those IEP services, everything directed from the IEP. I would case manage for kids, those speech only kiddos, um, host IEP meetings, attend IEP meetings, complete evaluations, write reports. Um, I could be part of the RTI team, um, student success team. So really my job, my job is an SLP. Um, I just was doing it remotely and working with teams remotely. So, and we, so that's our primary, the core of our, of our business and what we've done since 2009. And we are currently, we work in 43 States. And so we have, you know, we've, we've really, we see the spectrum of um, some States that have been really engaged with teletherapy for a number of years and somewhere it's still newer and they maybe really weren't very engaged with teletherapy until pretty recently. Um, and then the second part of what we offer is our platform and training related to using the platform, providing teletherapy services. So that again started in 2020 uh, because we did have our own platform. And then when everything shut down, uh, we started first was just our own our own schools that we were already working with where we were providing direct services because they suddenly all of their staff had to start providing teletherapy services to students in their home setting. And so we trained them on our platform and gave them the platform to use. And so that's been developing and it's called therapy essentials. Um, is that that offering? And it is again, meant for people who are either in school districts and might be providing remote services, although we're actually moving more toward a tool that will be really a great resource for therapists, whether they're working with a student there in person or remotely. And so we want it to be, you know, some, you know, because therapists are using iPads, they're bringing in technology already. And so that's where we're heading with that. Um, but also for private practitioners, um, people who are in clinic settings and are looking for um, a platform, a tool that was built for therapy uh, because it is, it's very different. Um, the experience of having to cobble together all of your own resources and use a business platform versus having a platform with integrated resources, integrated assessments, built-in tech support, um, and all kinds of other bells and whistles that were built for therapy is it really makes the experience much better for therapists and for kids. I can only imagine. I mean, that's good. That's cool. That's, uh, you know, that's what it's meant for. And, and right. so it, it uh, has what it needs to do that, which is awesome. Now, somewhere in my audience, we got to have somebody who's, who's a representative from a school system who's listening and saying, so what are the steps to get started? I mean, what, did, what are you going to tell them if they ask you that? So there's lots of information on our website, presencelearning.com. Um, anyone is also welcome to reach out directly to me and I can connect them with, depending on their question, what they're looking for. Um, and my email is kristen.martinez at presencelearning.com. But I would, if anyone is even a little bit interested in either the platform or direct services, absolutely reach out because we'll, we will do a live demo. So somebody from our team will set up a time. They can see our platform, talk to us about services, um, find out exactly what it would look like, what we offer. You know, we have some school districts that really just need help getting caught up on evaluations. And so we might come in and 
help with those evaluations because we we have we partner with all of the publishers. We have integrated assessments in our library, and we've been doing thousands and thousands of assessments um, for the last decade. So it's something that we are very well versed in doing and helping districts with. So sometimes it's just assessments. Sometimes it's the full scope because. Um, as, as you as an educator and anyone out there in the education field knows, and really just in the service field knows, there's been an, a long and chronic shortage of SLPs, OTs, school psychs, and counselors in the school settings. So we work with not only rural districts where maybe they have no one in their geographic area um, who they can find to work in person. We also work with huge, some of the biggest districts in the country that just are always short. They have therapists, but they don't have enough and the caseloads are too high. And so we can come in and really, districts can customize how they, how they need to utilize us. And a lot of our customers who have been with us for many, many years, each year shifts a little bit. Some years they may have more on-site staff. And so we cut back a little bit on our services. Other years they're shorter in person. And so we add more. So once, once they are established, it really, we just become an ongoing solution. We help them year to year so that it's not the constant posting the job, posting the job, not here. You know, it's, takes a lot of that stress um, from some of our directors of just having that continual um, shortage of staff. You know what I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to say this where, cause having been a high school principal, you, you, you touched on a whole bunch of <laughs> things that like, for example, uh, we're behind on the, uh, the documentation. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. one of the number one, <laughs> things and it would right. be cool to have somebody to come in and help you help them get mm-hmm. caught up on what they need to do and and just yeah. and then another one is uh you know just this system over here recruited your person because they pay a little bit more and mm-hmm. so suddenly you have nobody and mm-hmm. uh, you're in an area where you're like uh, um now who are we going to find <laughs> right and uh, see so you, you hit some sore spots right there that, uh, <laughs> i'm sure there's a lot of people listening yeah. to this that have been in that spot as well so uh, that, that's cool that you help deal with that. You know, um, I got to also ask this. If someone listening is thinking, you know, I'm, I'm a therapist. I'd like to uh, um, be one of the therapists for presence learning. Where do they need to start? Um, go to our website. There is, it's pretty easy to find a link. You can, we actually, you can apply even if you're just considering, if you're not certain, um, because the first part of our application process is very easy. It's asynchronous. It's you provide some information and then you get some information back about what would pay rate be. Um, and so it's, it's a very quick process. So I would recommend anybody just going to our website. There's apply now buttons on the site, but there's also just general information. There's um, we have blog on there where um, my, some of my colleagues and I write about a lot of different things in the field of special education and teletherapy. And so there's information, there's some videos, um, so there's, yeah, that's a great resource just to start there and then to get the conversation rolling. Very cool. So, uh, um, it, yeah, I gotta ask this. So if you were presenting to several school system administrators, so we're not mm-hmm. talking about, uh, the clinicians and we're not talking about, uh, all the other different group, the, the other groups that you talk to, um, you're presenting to several school system administrators about why mm-hmm. they should work with presence learning and teletherapy. Mm-hmm. What is one thing that you would want them to remember from your talk? I would want them 
to remember that we, we have been doing this for a long time. And I don't say that because it means you should go with us just because of that or work with us just because of that. But we have figured it out. We have, you know, I, we have made those mistakes in the early days and we have learned what is efficient and what is best for our schools and what's best to provide services. So there's a lot of nuance in that um, and a lot of support on our side that comes with that because we really, we're not a staffing agency. We don't just plug people and kind of say goodbye. We are very much um, kind of a more white glove. We, we provide support and service throughout our time. So that is a big differentiator. Um, and, and again, just that we can work with them for exactly what they need. And so it is, a flexible model in terms of how much they engage with us. Um, again, do they, some, we have districts that need 20 full-time SLPs from us. Um, there are others who just need one person a couple days a week, or they just need somebody to do assessments. So there's, I think that having that flexibility is really valuable to district administrators um, because it's, they don't necessarily always need one thing. It may just be a portion of that. And we can really help them walk them through that and help them figure out the best way to utilize our services. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, Chris, we're getting ready to close here, but uh, before we go, could you let everyone know where they could connect and uh, learn more? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So go to our website, presencelearning.com. You're also welcome to reach out directly to me, Kristen.Martinez at presencelearning.com. So we have, depending on what the question is and what you're looking for, we have different teams or different people that you might work with. Um, but in the end, you know, we are certainly a growing company, but we are also very committed to making sure that whether it's therapists or school districts working with us, that they feel very connected and that they can get answers and that they have somebody to reach out to. So Yes, anybody who wants information, start there on our website, and we'd love to talk with you about whatever your questions might be. That is so cool, and I appreciate it. And uh, this, you know, this talk has been awesome. And but before we go, before you go, I've got two questions that have nothing to do with everything else we've been talking about. So <laughs> the, the first one goes like this, Kristen: if, if you have so much going on that you become overwhelmed, how do you overcome the desire to quit? Um, yes, that's a great question. And I think we have all experienced that. I certainly have. Um, I, I my, my people, um, my family, my friends, my colleagues, I think it's really important to share, you know, what's on your mind. It can, I think the worst thing is to feel isolated, to try to manage it all by yourself. Uh, because usually when you start talking, you realize other people are in similar situations or have been and can listen and help you laugh. And which I think is really important too. It's important to laugh through some things because we have, we do carry a lot of stress. We have a lot going on in our lives. And um, so, yeah, I would say I rely, I'm very fortunate to have a great network, great, wonderful family and friends and colleagues. So that is my, my first go-to generally <laughs> reaching out to one or many of them. I love it. Love it. Uh, last question. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given a chance to say thank you? 
I love this question. I am fortunate that I've had many great teachers. So I really did have a very positive K-12 college experience. Uh, But one teacher who really stands out uh, was my high school AP comp and lit teacher, um, Lou Marchesano at Rocky Mountain High School in Fort Collins, Colorado. So I, I had, I thought, and this was probably my junior or senior year and leading up to that class, I considered myself a pretty good writer. I thought I was, you know, I pretty much, I got good grades on my papers and, and then he really just kind of broke it all apart (laughs) and really taught me actually how to think differently, approach writing differently. Um, and I took that, I've, I still take that with me. I talked to my own kids about, um, how things that he taught me that have helped me write and organize my thoughts. So I remember getting to my freshman year of college and being so nervous about, um, some honors course I was taking in a paper we had due and I couldn't believe how easy it was. I was like, wow. I, so he, he really helped. It was, yeah, I have taken that with me. So I would thank him absolutely. And also apologize that my friend and I talked so much in his class. <laughs> that, that's funny. <laughs> Sorry. That's excellent. Very cool. That uh, still making an impact today. And I, I love yeah. that. And, but uh, nice, nice apology. I like that. <laughs> um, very cool. Very cool. Uh, Kristen, it was awesome talking with you about teletherapy and presence learning. I mean, what a cool way to support the students in our school systems. Wishing you the very best in all you do. All right. Thanks, Steve. I really appreciate you having me on. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.